ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 59, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. On tonight's episode, we invite our old friends Michael and Tish Cerevolo back into the hot seat and challenge them to the ultimate spontaneous musical challenge. For those who don't know, Michael is the curator and performing artist of Supergroup Beauty and Chaos. They're back with another masterpiece, The Storm Before the Calm. You can order this album now at beautyandchaos.com. Not sure you're ready to jump in? Well, sit back and listen to the man himself. I'm sure you'll be convinced. I'm your host, Foggy, and with me as always, JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Greetings, Foggy. How are you today? <laughs> I gotta get one. Oh, I think I have one. I'm gonna have to learn how to use that. It's too fun. Think, I'm hooked on it. Yeah, we all want one. <laughs> and back again this week is Tony Teabags. What's up? Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. It's... It's... T-Bags. Too hot for TV. Not much, just uh, sipping some coffee from my eating chaos mug. Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> and joining us tonight is the man himself, Michael Cerevolo. Welcome, sir. Thanks, gentlemen, for having me back. So it was fun last time, and we're going to tear it up this time. <laughs> I hope What's so. Up? Yeah, it's an honor to have you back for sure. Yeah, this is exciting. You're in the midst of how long's the record been out now? A week, two weeks? This might Friday probably would have been two weeks. Two weeks. So, yeah. It seems longer because it was I had planned to have it out in February. Then we had this incredible uh Pro Tools and computer meltdown and mm. uh it's just like instead of like and then Michael was started Roson was starting back working with ministry and it just seemed like trying to finish everything after all the work to go rushing the final, you know, 10 yards of it. It was just like, okay, let's just wait. And so I, I picked a date, which happened to be world goth day completely by accident. <laughs> it was a marketing coup, you know, what's that like? Like the first week that an album comes out, what does that feel like? It's it's cool. It's way, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, you know, not to sound corny, but it's like the birth of your kid, you know, <laughs> it comes out and you kind of, you know, it's like a lot of work and it's just a bit of relief and a weird, like, kind of like, what what now? Uh, then in, in my head, the, the part of waiting, you know, because it's done and then we're waiting to have stuff pressed and uh, things like that. And I'm already, my brain is already going, so what's next? And now trying to focus on this and then we threw the uh the the covid pandemic and everything in it <clears throat> probably wasn't the best time to release it but you know I, I i just felt that people you know having having new music when they're at home uh was a good thing and i wasn't going to delay it again because of this oh well, we definitely appreciated that and I, I know when i that came out and i popped it on um it, it it hit the right spot at the right time you know what i mean it's just given the mood of things that everything's a big change in in terms of your normal day-to-day -day and and there's extra stresses and pressures and in, in the grind or you know accommodating your child being home you know e-learning and things like that and so while i was working i would pop that on and it was it was just great to to hear and um it's it's like that 
comfort food, if you will. You you want you take that first bite and you're like, oh yeah, this is hitting the spot. That's that's what this entire album did for me. Well, thank you. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I I don't know how many times I listened to it at work <laughs> already, and so uh, I feel pretty pretty intimate with it already. Just like keep putting the last song on loop. You know that'll that'll take up your day real quick. <laughs> I, I I love I love long songs like that. So I'm a big Tool fan, big Pink Floyd fan, and so you know, seeing 27 minutes or whatever it was wasn't any big deal. Um, yeah, I put that on loop several times. I love it. Yeah, the only problem with a song like that is when you're trying to get any kind of a review out quickly. Uh, we all like to listen to things multiple times and really sit with it. It's hard when one song takes you know an hour and a half to listen to three times. Yeah. But um, yeah. But the more we listened, the more we liked it, I think. The more we found, um, you know, in there, there were little nuances that we all picked up on that were really yeah, cool. That's, that's sort of what we're going for, like, to hear, like, each time. I, I kind of imagine someone just, like, kind of being surprised that it was there. And then kind of each time, like, your your brain or something picking up something different out of it. There's a lot mm -hmm. of things that are mixed kind of low. But it seems like the more you hear it, the more forward they come. And, you know... It was a little self-indulgent, but uh, you know, I, I, I kind of really still enjoy it. I think it, it finishes the album real well, you know, at least when you listen to it in that context. Yeah, but since sure. we're on that, can you talk a little bit about the opera part at the end? Is that "Let Me Die"? Is that the translation for that? Yes. Okay, so what was the inspiration behind that? I for the last record for Finding Beauty and Chaos, uh, there was the girl Adrian. Uh, and uh, she's kind of a, she does like YouTube and Instagram blogs. And she was always following Ashton Knight. And she reached out about doing a, a review of Finding Beauty and Chaos. So we're just talking over line online. And uh, she'd mentioned she was an opera singer. So my head went, hmm, I just made a mental note of that. Because honestly, on Finding Beauty and Chaos, I had the idea. I wanted to kind of tie each song in with like a little short musical interlude to make the record seamless. But uh, once we did the math and that record was, I think it was, when I added up, it was like 80, 80 minutes and I and realized that we were gonna, I had to edit like a little piece of Unnatural Disaster to even get it to fit completely on a CD. That idea was out the window. So I always in the back of my head, I had an idea about using it. You know, and she sent me some little clips of her singing and I went, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's dark. I mean, not that I'm an opera fan or anything, but it just had this weird twist. And it just seemed uh, it worked well in, in that section. You know, I think, again, it's this journey and it kind of comes out of left field uh, at the, the last movement of it. And I think it fits well. Y'all want to go to an opera or something at some point? <laughs> I am not an opera fan, so I was shocked when it came on. And then. I, I didn't know how to take it the first time I heard it, but after a couple of listenings, it kind of made sense and, and felt good. But yeah, at first, I'm not an opera guy, so yeah, I didn't she, know what to make of it. You know, she took it really serious and worked on the lyrics. We talked a little bit, uh, and she just, she ran with it. And it's it's got, and it's nice. She's really excited about it. It's kind of like to watch someone that, you know, like their first record being on that. And uh, it, it's cool. I, I think she's really talented. And uh you know, I'm glad that happened. Yeah, that, uh, that came out of left field, like someone here said, and I just smiled. I was having a really bad day at work <laughs> that day, and uh, it was great. It was the first time I was listening to that, and it just came out of left field, and I thought, you know, and there's times where someone will try something, 
and it just doesn't work, you know, and, and it feels forced. But the way the tone of that whole track is, it just like it was oddly perfect how it just kind of dissolved into that out of this, you know, not to say chaos here, but, but out of this chaos that kind of happened right before it. And then into this opera thing, just kind of like set this tone. And I was at work and th this bad day just kind of was happening around me. But I was just like listening to this odd opera thing. And it just I felt like I was inside a movie. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, why your office probably thought you'd lost your mind now. Yep. Awesome. You know, speaking of you know, given the the mood and how that was dark, I kind of felt like this release also had some darker tones to it as a whole and i'm curious what drove the mood and feel of this release as opposed to uh the first release you know i wanted going into that first release and uh my concern was always making it cohesive uh and being that those were songs that were written over like a, a year period as we were doing it it grew from a a single record to a double record so pieces were getting added and i kept like stepping back and listening to him at home going how's this going to work does it sound like just a jumble uh compilation so this one i wanted to write it in a shorter period of time and i, I you know I, I wanted it to to be a shorter listen also i guess i blew it out the water with the 30 minute song but the, the record like just looking at it taking that whole section aside and like it was going to just be a four song ep you know that was in my head it's like I've challenged our listeners with a, a double record with Finding Beauty and then in really looking at the digital version of Beauty Re-Envision, that's 26 mixes. Uh, so that's probably my Sandinista, you know, a triple album there. Uh, so I went, it's, you know, maybe this is the time to just give, you know, our fans uh, and friends just something shorter and more palatable that way. and. Uh, you know, I think the first three songs were written, uh, at least the, the kind of skeleton of them, over like a week period. Uh, you know, and, and listening to the record now, I think it's pretty obvious that if it was going to be an EP, it would have been what became The Outside, Almost Pure, Kind Cruelty, and uh, Delicate Balance. Those would have been like a, a four-song kind of dark EP. And, uh, you know, then those, you know, in typical biz, big fashion, it just kind of grew and we had to kind of put the little left turns in there. But uh, as far as being dark, yeah, I think in my head, I had, you know, been listening to pornography, uh, disintegration, uh, I'd put back on like first, last and always. Uh, mm -hmm. Just somehow those records kind of evoke this emotion, kind of a, a color, a temperature. They just, and they're kind of linear, you know, there's not this big grand, here comes the chorus. And uh, it's some, that, that was where my head was at that you know just kind of you know lines that you can kind of pull things in and out and it just kind of is almost a straight line and i think we achieved that with some of them uh but it you know i i didn't say it was contrived but that was where my head was at like this is the type of record i want that to be and uh i think we did it pretty well i, I agree in fact that opening track of disintegration came to mind immediately from the bass to the the way the drums were played it wasn't like your typical four four you know your your kick on the one and 
you know, the snare on the two, that kind of thing. It was, it had the nice little offbeat going on and kept the symmetry going just nice, but it, it definitely enhanced the feel. And so um, you, you channeled that very well. And, and it was uh, very invited in, to my ears to say the least. Yeah, I think that started, uh, I had just set up in like this, uh, a little room that I have off the studio where we end up putting uh, the amps and usually do the singing. And I, I just had a drum machine going into this little bass amp and my guitar rig set up. And I was just kind of going through just drum machine patches to see what spurred something and something similar, which ended up being that that kind of weird beat that's in what became the outside. And I just started, you know, I channeled my inner Simon Gallup for the bass line. My wife's listening. We appreciate that. <laughs> Want to be bass player, I am. But uh, <laughs> I think that song actually was written starting from that kind of bass line, which is, is certainly Gallup influenced. I, wish i could have got simon to play on this one but uh we, we had a stand in me <laughs> but, so yeah. michael you're saying you know basically you you begin with the concept and you build these at what point do the other artists come in and provide some inspiration or provide you know their their touch on the songs i mean because obviously they're changing something a little bit right yeah this uh, i think the first record the, when we sent tracks to singers, they were pretty much 98% done. Like maybe something would come back and I would add like another little guitar bit to it or something. But for the most part, what they heard was what they heard when the song was ended. Uh, this this record, I, I did want to try to make it less dense as far as less tracks and not so many parts. Uh, you know, sometimes Pro Tools can be the ultimate enabler. You keep need two more tracks two more tracks two more and i i wanted to kind of you know step back to like when we used to record on two inch tape and it's you had 24 tracks and you had to kind of focus and make the parts key or find a way to now take this other sound and fit it on the track that's got a tambourine and now it's got a guitar solo uh so i really tried to, to tame down just how much we we put down to make each part count and I think this time probably sent the songs to the singers maybe 60% done to where uh, when something came back, maybe it spurred me into a direction or something, you know, extended a bridge because, you know, the part was just that the singer, you know, whoever sang was just like led me that way. So this was a little, you know, they're all collaborations. I mean, all the singers do their melodies and lyrics, but I think this time maybe I, I got back more from them or was influenced by what they did more on this record and i enjoyed that so i mean jumping ahead i think i want to you know do that a bit more on the next go round. maybe try to you know most of the people are not here in in california so it is uh creating from afar but to try to do this a little more maybe even doing it like this uh singing they're going hey i'm thinking of this and you know, have the person sing along and, and kind of write more like you're actually are in the room with your the person you're you know composing with. But so yeah, I I had a question about that. Um, you kind of answered part of it. I was going to ask what you did with vocalists. Did you just send it to them and let them run with it, or do you have any sort of like scratch melody for them to go by? Or but do you would you ever get something back and and have something in your head and do you have any direction in it, or is it just hands off whatever the singer does? You know, I try because it is a collaboration and, you know, I mean, I, if I'm asking somebody to be part of this, it's that I have utmost respect for them. 
you know, and I just feel like what's going to come back is going to be what, what it is, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't say I, the first record, I think I, I wrote all I gave them as direction is what finding beauty and chaos meant to me as a couple little speech, you know, blah, blah, you know, in this world, everything, you know, chaos going on around us and, you know, finding a little bit of light in the dark and, you know, and they kind of <clears throat> ran with that. Uh, this, I think it just happened natural, you know, because it was obvious there was, even when this was going on, things were getting even more and more chaotic. People divided on political lines, religious lines, and that's just grown, you know, from there. But, you know, it is, uh, again, I feel like if I'm, if I'm seeking out a singer or I've discussed it with them, I've listened to what they've done, and, uh, you know, I feel really confident that's, you know, nothing's ever, you know, and thank God, nothing's ever come back that I've, cringed like holy shit now what, what, I'm gonna, what am i gonna do you know uh yeah that's a risk yeah it, it would be like you know i mean the mission's a huge you know i'm a huge mission fan and i've become friends with wayne but if he sent something back that was like shitty you know it's a little bit hey yeah you know uh you yeah. want to give that another go <laughs> is that but so does this i'm always interested in because you're the creator so you're kind of i mean you're you're part of the creator you start to get the ball rolling does this kind of make you still be a fan of your own music? Because you don't know what you're going to get back. So yeah, is it kind of I, that, like, the CD on for the first time for you? Yeah, I think it's in in the past, like when I've done records with Human Drama or Gene Loves Jezebel, and you're in a band, you're in a situation of playing it live and maybe creating it or, or you know, like in Human Drama, for the most part, it was Johnny writing the songs and me just going, okay, you got a G to A minor, blah, blah. And I worked a part around I would listen to a record like kind of different, like it would come on and my, my brain would start focusing on what I played and what I should have did or how it should have been mixed. And I think I've always missed the enjoyment factor of just hearing it like, you know, if I bought the record as a fan. And I think the, the, the great thing about Beauty and Chaos, is, which is why I was actually listening to most of the remix record today, just we're out by the pool, is that I'm a fan of the the artist that's singing so i'm able to, to kind of step back and not even look at it that i have anything to do with this that it's just you know their words their 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 voice their inflections is so i can listen to it as a i hate to use the word fan you know because i look at you know everybody that has anything to do it's i look at it more as a family but so to step back and just listen to it like if i would have bought a cure record and you know that way and uh that's it. I, I think that'll make it where I, I'm hoping 10 years from now I can put one of these records on and still have that that feeling. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. Sorry, I'm, I'm going through our list of questions because you're kind of hitting some of them through the conversation, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, so are there any song you said you wanted to have it as an EP? So it was definitely in, intent, intentional that it was going to be kind of short and sweet in that regard. But were there anything that hit the chopping block that didn't make this release with any intention to maybe work on those at a later date? No, and honestly, on the first record, there was only one one song that I started that uh, actually saw it on the hard drive the other day when we were making stems that just had like some nonsensical name to it and i went oh that's something and go maybe we should listen to that in the in the future but 
No, no. I mean, not that it's like, oh, everything we, we touch is gold. It's just like, I think we had a strong idea what this was going to sound, should sound like. And I brought in the pieces uh, and, you know, working with Michael Rosan, he kind of takes what I, what I do. And he said he, he had so much to do with the first record, but he actually even more in this one to where he's got, you know, writing credit on songs. I mean, in theory, he should have writing credit on everything, but there's some parts that he went, hey, why don't, you know, he'll get on the little keyboard and go, why don't we try this? And I mean, he's always pushed me to make things, you know, better. He's got the musical, the knowledge where he'll turn to me and go, oh, you're playing a diminished seventh on top of that. And I'm like, what? Why? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> it, it's, I am. It, it's forced me to kind of do that. And I think some of his tutelage on the chord progressions and all kind of made me go home. And then I sat with a guitar and started the music that became Temple of Desire. It was mm -hmm. just, I started just doing this weird progression that was going minor to major to major to minor. And it was just like really foreign to my ear because as a, you know, I've been playing guitar for a long time. I've pretty much stunted as far as my growth in it. And you do become, you play things a certain way in your chord progressions and patterns and the way you voice chords. And I just really sat down and went, okay, I'm going to try to do something that's really different this time. And uh, I, I, it started that uh, and uh, we went in. I wasn't sure if that, that song was going to work on the, on the record, but as soon as it started to work, then I went, okay, now we're unbalanced. So and it can't be five songs, you know, it's gotta be six. I'm thinking in the, the format of vinyl always. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was mm -hmm. like, suddenly there goes the EP and now it's a full-fledged record. <laughs> Let's just not make it a double album. <laughs> right. So how do, you, how do you choose your singer? I mean, it's clear, you know, the delicate balance of all things, Wayne is perfect, you know, but Rafe is awesome on Temple of Desire. How do you, decide who's going to be on what song who fits um i'm sure you've got a huge list of friends who are musicians and singers but you well, just seem to nail the right guy every time yeah I, God, i'd like to say it was you know i i'm something amazing on that but some of it is <laughs> just luck you know i mean you're lucky uh, a lot i, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean of the, on this record i knew everyone except rafe and uh when when we did this song, Michael mentioned his name, and I went, "Okay, that name's familiar to me. Where would I know him from?" And he goes, "Tyler, which is our friend Tyler Bates. He's a film composer. He's done John Wick. He's done a few small films like John Wick, all of them, Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. uh, Three Hundred. Yeah, low budget stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> things like that. Uh, and he's used Rafe and." And I'm going, well, why do you think that? And he's going, because of what you're doing in, in these chord progressions to get the right singer that's not going to just sing major or sing minor through this and kind of negate those nuances. And Rafe, uh, I, I called him and we hit it off uh, really well. I looked at some of his stuff that he had online and he kind of performs that weird kind of like church stuff or some like outdoor, like, you know, real say hippie but just kind of spiritual things and uh and his voice just had this kind of soaring thing and these great falsettos almost you know was re reminiscent of like what radiohead does and uh, so he was the one person i didn't know on this uh and uh yeah I, it happens i've known seabold 
like trying to think today, like when did I first uh, meet Steve? And, and I, I think it was 97. And I've mm -hmm. always loved the hate department stuff. Like as I started working for Schechter, he was one of the first artists I reached out to. And as we were trying to, to get a, a little uh, artist base and uh, we just stayed in touch since then. And uh, I honestly didn't know uh, when I, I was actually reaching out to him to send this song to Leslie Rankin from uh, Ruby. Uh, mm -hmm. Love that. And I knew he knew her from Pig Face. And I, I sent him the track and I was like, what do you think Leslie would think of that? And he goes, she would probably hate it, but I love it. He's like, Disintegration is one of my favorite records of all time. And it's just, this just is right up that alley. I just didn't think that was going to be his uh, forte. And man, I thought he hit it out the park. I think Almost Pure is just a, a gorgeous song, you know. And it's awesome yeah. you say that too, because I've, I've followed Seabold's work for some time as well. And um, I've been lucky to have some conversations with him. And, and he's a musician I certainly respect and appreciate a lot. And following outside of Hate Department with Mute and Standalone even, what what's struck and stood out to me with this particular one uh i mean mute has a twinge of it as well but this seemed very intimate in his performance to me and you know if you hear hate department through the years you can tell it's certainly a, a different side to him and it's just nice to hear that be captured and and you know seeing that he's such a fan of disintegration it's almost like you know he's getting to play a part in that in a way i'm speaking you know vicariously i can't speak for him on that but i can kind of if I'm getting in somebody's brain, if I, if it was my experience, I think that that's kind of how I would feel if I had an opportunity to, you know, kind of pay homage to something that I loved very much and, and be a part of it. I would, I would jump on it and give it 120% myself. Yeah. I think he almost, for the, for a couple of minutes, it seemed like he was trying, like he felt he had to convince me that he could do this. And in my head, I'm going, man, I always loved everything you did. And he goes, no, you gotta, gotta understand since the early days, of hate department, I've, I've, kind of been forced to learn how to sing now and, and he sent me some of the the standalone and you had and uh yeah so he's singing it's not it's not under the the distortion and the effects that maybe was part of the hate department and uh it's it, great it's very it's intimate lyrically it was very cool you know it wasn't his usual i mean i always loved his wit you know mm -hmm. he always had this like little punk angst and wit in it and uh it's just a, a kind of a cool dark romantic song that just fits fantastic on it and uh i guess when you're asking about singers i mean the the first record you know but intentionally or not became like this you know oh new super group and who's who thing and in back of my head i'm going well, i know i just can't keep asking the same people or you know, trying to top that with a bigger name or a bigger name, you know, I knew that Beauty and Chaos would hit the wall if it just stood on, who's he going to get now? You know, is he going to get, you know, Paul McCartney? Or, I mean, whatever, how, how big can you go? And in, in my head, I knew it started, it would have to stand, start standing on the songs. And, you know, somebody goes, well, you don't have as many A-list on that. And it, it, that, that kind of, I get it, but it kind of pissed me off a bit because the other side of it's like these people may, you know, Cat Leone and and Curse and even Steve Seabold may not be A-list by, you know, sense of selling records or popularity and whatever we call this business we're in now, but they should mm -hmm. be, you know, they're they're fantastic lyricists and everything. And 
you know, to me, once they put their stamp on it, that that was how it how it should be. I mean, I think I had that on the first record, uh, like what became I Will Follow You. I sent that to Peter Murphy, you know, because we we'd been working with Peter on some guitar stuff. And, you know, he and I talked music and all and uh, he hemmed and hawed. And, you know, Peter's got his demons and stuff. Uh, and when he when he kind of end up declining, I'd sent the song to Evie and telling her going, hey, I sent this to Peter. You know, if he comes back with it, I, I kind of have to go with it. But then when she sent me what she did back on that song, mm-hmm. part of me is like, I could give a shit with Peter Murphy or anybody <laughs> did on that. This was the song and it's so beautiful and perfect. It became, you know, it, it that was what the song should be. And I, I got that on a couple of the songs in this. When when Kat came back with what she did, uh, what became Stranger, it was just like, absolutely perfect at least to me and you know no yeah i agree 100 that's that's, if i please myself you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of why i do it uh and hopefully other people enjoy it but you know i'm not making it the stuff to to make other people like it and then secretly not enjoy it myself (laughs) yeah i mean as as a fan i mean knowing all the behind the scenes stuff is cool but there's not a single track that i listen to and think well sure wish somebody else would have been on that i mean there it sounds like everything hits perfect you call it luck whatever you want to call it but um it all it all sounds perfect and um and going back to rafe for a second you said uh, something about radiohead and i took notes on everything and i have i said he kind of sounds a little bit like a love child of tom york and chris isaac yeah and, i can see that yeah <laughs> and in a good way but and but back to the back to the point of it all that like there's just so much I love about this. I can't imagine that there could be somebody else to make it better. You know what I mean? It just fits. Yeah, I think if you write a song, at least the way that we're doing it, as uh, you know, I'm sure if you're a a singer songwriter and you sit down on a piano and you you do it, and maybe you don't have a great voice, but you play something, and you're going, I really want so and so to sing it, and then you can't get that person. And you get someone else in the back of your head, maybe going, I really wish, you know, I could have had Bono sing this song. You know, that's who I wrote it for or some shit like that. But mm-hmm. it's this this process that we have going in this uh is different. And <clears throat> I mean, I'm I'm you know I kinda I'm, like the way that you're doing it though, because you know, it's obvious when Ashton's singing, it's him. But oh, yeah. if you were to like you just said, if Bono was on here, well now it's drawn to well, this is a Bono song. No, that's not what this whole project is about. You know, this is Beauty and Chaos, and these other folks are coming in doing a brilliant job, but it's just being part of this amazing project. And I think if you did get those top numbers or top names, it would probably take away from that a little bit. Yeah, it would be maybe a bit looked at as being contrived or something. Uh, But I I think the great thing about that is, you know, maybe some of these singers that are lesser known, certainly not lesser talented, is right. that uh, with the vehicle that we have is Beauty and Chaos, the cool thing is that people do go and, and start delving down into uh, their other works. Like I think Ashton told me, he goes, man, do you realize this record, the record he's putting out in July, he goes, that's my 17th album, you know, but <laughs> Awakening and his Ashton Knight stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it's it does my heart good when, you know, because I, I – I, I look at these guys, they're given, you know, guys and girls are given their time 
their talents and everything. And, you know, they're not, I mean, this isn't making anybody any money and that's not what we do this for. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I'd love it to get placed in a movie or something like that, but that's, you know, not the, the impetus of it, but, uh, you know, it's nice that people like have gone, wow, you know, I bought this record because I'm a big mission fan, but I've never heard of Ashton or I've never heard of Evie and I bought their record and it's like fantastic. And they go down and they go down. So I'm really hoping that, you know, people that don't know Kat start looking into Holy Wars and the stuff that she does solo. And even some people that don't know hate department. I mean, imagine going down that rabbit hole with, with Steven like the left and right stuff that he, that he does, uh, you know, but I think that's kind of cool. So I, I, I think that helps. That makes it where being part of this is even a little bit more attractive to someone to give their time and stuff that I think it, you know, for whatever listening or publicity beauty and chaos manages to get, I think by saying that it's, here's a song and it features this singer. I think it, uh, you know, it makes people start looking at <clears throat> catalogs, which I think is really important. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, we mentioned earlier the delicate balance of all things. And I don't know if you heard him in the review. I was saying that on that track, the bass line is one of those grooves. If I was playing in the band, I would just enjoy the hell out of just being up there, just laying that riff while everything was all put together. That's just a fun riff. And I really love the way Wayne delivered on, on that particular track. I mean, he's great. Don't get me wrong. But it was just, again, with that whole intimacy thing, it's just uh, he's singing quietly, like you're zoomed in on him and it's up close. And he's, you know, really develop, uh, delivering the lyrics in such a way that, you know, you feel like you have to come closer. But with everything else going on in the mix, it, it just sits so well. And that's something that I've always strived to do. But I, I, I always struggle with getting, you know, quiet, intimate vocals to rest well with other things going on. So yeah, som sometimes I listen to that and I, I don't know if the vocal is, a, is too far back in the mix. And I did run that by him because we did the mix because that was the first song that was on a video. So that song was mixed and mastered before I think we were still mixing Temple of Desire and Stranger, and that was done. And so I think on the album, uh, I, I had Michael, we opened up the track and just bumped the vocals up a DB or something. But I think it's kind of nice that it is a little mysterious. And, uh, you know, well, the way that song came about, uh, I told you, I kind of sat in a room and, and just with the bass and the drum machine and guitars and pedals and wine, uh, I did send all three, the first three songs I written, real skeleton ideas to Wayne, because uh, I knew he was getting ready to go on his acoustic tour. He had just finished the book, so I went, ah, I'm going to take a shot here. And uh, it, in typical Wayne fashion, he's like, I'm really out of words. I just wrote a book, 8,000 8, <laughs> words. It's like right. I'm practicing, uh, you know, for this mission uh, acoustic tour. He goes, I just don't know if I have anything. And he goes, well, send it to me. So I sent him. I just went, well, fuck it. I sent him all three tracks. And uh, he came back and something with the, the music to, you know, what became Delicate Balance just struck him. He just wrote back. He goes, I think I have something. He goes, I really like this one. It's dark. <laughs> he goes, I have this title, which I was Delicate Balance of all things, which I've been kind of saving, thinking of a solo record or the name of a mission record in the future but i think it's got me on a path 
he goes, I reserve the right to use this title again. It's like, hey, all yours, man. <laughs> and then he came back and uh, maybe my like the first halfway through it, I'm going, it's a little low. And then he came in with the harmony vocals and I it just kind of fell into place. Like, okay, I mean, this guy is a pro and, uh, you know, Sometimes he gets bagged on for like using cliche lyrics and stuff, but I thought the lyrics in that song was fantastic. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, he just nailed it, you know. And I mean, to sit here now and go, what's that? One, two, four songs that Wayne is on that we've done, or two in the first, and this one. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic. I mean, I'd like to think that he and Ashton uh, will be, you know, I'd I'd be a happy man if they were on everything that we end up doing you know that just I, I would be happy about that too it's kind of yeah. I mean, writing with it is so easy i mean sending something to ashton it's like it just if it strikes him it comes back and it's like you know just laid out perfect and he uh, lyrically i just on the same wavelength as him and it just works so hopefully those guys you know continue with it and uh thank you for putting the lyrics in the artwork on the pdf yeah. it was nice <laughs> yes i i mean that's that's what makes it where I, to me when i go I, and i jump up and down about the idea of uh physical records the the vinyl and the cds you know i guess it shows my age but it's that you know getting the vinyl and looking at it and looking at the liner notes and who played what and who's this guy and he's on bass on that song and and seeing the lyrics and all is, is such a an experience uh you know it's a lot of work and while I'm doing it, it maybe drives me a bit crazy and coming up with the track order and how something's supposed to flow into the next. Then I start going, well, then somebody's going to put this on Spotify or whatever, or shuffle and all that goes right out the window. Right. Uh, but it, it, I, I can't, I got to look, be true to how I, I'd like to see it work, which is why I still get people like pissing and moaning even some of my friends, like, when's this going to be up on Spotify? And I'm going, if I had my druthers on this, it would never be up on it, you know? Uh, so I go, I got a small little label that, you know, thankfully, they want to do vinyl, they want to do CDs, they want to do nice packaging and everything. So uh, I, I, I hold it back for at least two months to whoever's going to purchase the physical copies well mm -hmm. before going now it's on spotify with you know 10 million other songs yeah right yeah i like the delayed release i think that's uh cool yeah. and you all come from that world so uh I, I appreciate the the feel of it all having some artwork that should be like a standard model i think if you're an artist you should be able to put out an album for a bit and allow people to purchase and everything and maybe that would encourage more people to buy I, i'd like to see the streaming it doesn't make my press girl happy and sometimes it doesn't make like people that are doing reviews or features or something it's like they want to embed the record in there and it's like I, i'm sorry here's a snippet if it's like I, I know how this generation is if they can just hear it that that way most people you know won't go buy it and again this isn't thankfully i have a day job and i'm not depending on this you know, to put food on my family's table, but I do feel like I want to sell enough that my label continues to want to do this, like print it, because I'd hate to just be a digital only artist. I think I, it would lose a lot of the luster to me. And uh, 
you know, maybe make me not as, you know, wanting this to continue at the pace that it's doing because it, it just right. seems like a a letdown when it comes out that way, you know. But, mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I we got on a tangent on during the review and I forgot to bring it up. But at the time, we we've been listening to a couple of albums pretty much back to back each week that were more or less album experiences. And there was one we reviewed that it kind of jumped different feels and moods. And that certainly felt more like a, a playlist friendly album where somebody could pick two or three favorites from it, put it in their particular playlist and, and move on. But, you know, I've, I come from that same background. I got just listening to Portis heads dummy. I got that in the mail the other day. And that's, that's when you listen to from front to back and you read cover to cover for sure, because of just the artistry from packaging to the way those songs were laid out. And that's what I love about beauty and chaos. It's also, you know, cover to cover. You listen to the entire experience. It tells, you know, you feel a whole mood the entire time. It's not just, I'm going to take track two and then put it with, you know, in my workout mix or something, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, you know? I mean, eventually stuff gets that way. And I do understand when I get, you know, my pre- Shauna, like going, you really need to have it on Spotify because then DJs pick it up and put it on playlist and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to have this argument again, but I, I have to look at doing it this way. I have to be true to myself on it that we did kind of really look at the track order and go, and at least when it's on vinyl, you know, I, I like to feel you got someone captured for the three or four songs there. Cause usually people are not going to get up and go move the needle. If they listen to it that way or going, oh, I really hate that third song. I'm going to skip to that or I'm going to turn it over. Uh, but you know, once it becomes through a CD, you know, I mean, I guess people can put it on shuffle. I, I don't know if you yeah. put in dark side of the moon and go shuffle on it and hear tracks in order. There is, there is a reason. And we did spend, you know, even even maybe more so on the first record because it was so long that I, I hit I ended up breaking it up into the, the the side black, side white, you know, going, okay, so if we capture somebody, expect somebody to listen to two albums, you know, seventy-nine minutes in a sitting, you know, that's asking a lot and probably won't happen. But if you're gonna capture them to one album or a side of the album, so I tried to to look at it in these more bite-sized pieces uh and, and at least make them flow that way uh but you know i sit in and talk about all that and like the reason behind it and then I, I think it's lost on a lot of people but i mean that is the state you know i think the, the people that like beauty and chaos you know uh that you know followed us from the first record to this uh i think they're they're probably a little bit a little bit older and not a, not necessarily the spotify or apple music generation i think there is that convenience factor of it being in your car and everything like that but you know i I don't i don't know the idea of tying music into being convenient is i think not always smart (laughs) no you're lucky we're i shouldn't say you're lucky but we're a group that appreciates what you're doing Uh, we appreciate concept albums sitting and listening to long things it's really sad that you're right. I mean, we are such a consumer-friendly society. Everything has to be convenient and cheap and and quick. Uh, long-form journalism is gone. I mean, everybody needs to read it in a meme, or they don't have time to read what you're doing, you know. And it's um, it's kind of frustrating, but that's why I think what you're doing is refreshing. But my question is, you know, you've been in the industry for a while, 
and you have, like you said, a day job being president of a guitar company. That's a pretty big deal. Where do you find your inspiration now? I mean, where does that come from? You know, I'm, I, I think from the first record, it was, it, it, it kind of came from out of some frustration with recording that last human drama album that I was on, uh, broken songs for broken people. <clears throat> I, I think when you're, you're friends with guys for so long and, you know, you, you kind of change musically. And I think I was trying to force what, you know, at least the, my the way I play guitar into something that just seemed like it wasn't working anymore. So that spurred me to do this. Uh, but I think, like you said, I, you know, have a, a job at Schechter. And I think I got to the point, you know, that my love of guitar as an instrument, you know, it's something that I picked up as a kid, you know, when I had that crossroads of going, am I going to play, you know, am I going to try to play football or am I going to be in a band? And the sign over here went, girls like guys in bands. So I went that way. <laughs> I've, I've ridden that since then. And I've always loved the guitar as an instrument and everything. But sometimes when you're selling it, uh, it becomes your your means for, you know, food, rent, all, the, all that. Uh, I found that it was becoming a widget to me, uh, you know. Uh, at times, it was just like I'd look at a guitar and going, oh, fuck, I don't like that, but it'll sell, you know, and I, I I didn't like that. So the idea of getting back into doing Beauty and Chaos re-sparked my interest. I started, like, collecting guitar pedals and making sounds again, and uh, it just kind of sparked me that way. So, uh, and this has been a blast doing it, you know. I mean, I'm getting getting to work with, guys that you know i hate to use the word idolize because seriously the only difference between somebody that's just you know in a, a bar band and playing a stadium you know if it isn't talent it's just luck that somebody got a break and the other person didn't uh mm -hmm. so to look at some of these guys and go well, idolize them but you know people that i bought their albums like wow i respect them as artists and now not only to call them friends but to be part of it on this is is cool and you know i'm gonna do it as long as i'm able to do it or it feels like it's it's fun you know because that that's what it's it, it's kind of nice it is fun and uh you know it's not sometimes making music or the what the industry has turned into now isn't fun and but this is so and maybe it's because it's not really a a typical band like you need to rehearse four nights a week and pile gear in the back of a van and go pay, pay to 20 people you know <laughs> but right now it's fun it's fun the whole concept and then having that record get handed here's the cds in smell the gloves here you know and it's kind of a, it's it's, it's, it's a exhilarating experience that uh i i'd like to do it for as long as i can for Sweet. sure the um the vinyl release if i'm if i remember correctly it's it was slightly delayed due to the pandemic correct it's just it, it vinyl takes eight to ten weeks to mm -hmm. get it you know uh so my choice was either to go you know have the i get i just got told yesterday by tim that it's it's being shipped i, I forget where he has it had it being pressed but we should see it in the middle of this coming week so my choice was to have put the record out June 15th or 
went, well, let's just put it out the, the 20 set, you know, let's put it out sooner. And, you know, we give everybody the digital download immediately so they get it. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to wait anymore. I, I felt like I didn't want to be boy who cried wolf because we had a release. I, we, you know, we had this planned out. We did the delicate balance uh, video with the idea of the, the record coming out. I forget it was February. I don't it was wasn't valentine's day it was a little bit after so we had a date and when we couldn't meet that i had to switch gears and it just happened that curse was in town uh i think he was here to see a bauhaus show and we shot <laughs> the show and uh we were able to get that out as sort of a placeholder and i just didn't think i, I we should wait anymore it's like well here's two of the songs so it's basically you know a third of the record you're already hearing Mm -hmm. just didn't want to kick it to june i figured anybody that's going to buy vinyl is is, is going to be happy to wait for it as long as they they got to hear the record so that was the the idea behind that you totally know, it'll probably always be that way because i'm there's a little bit of you know i'm impatient that way it's like it's done i i guess that would be the idea it would be fantastic about being a digital audit it's done it's it's uploaded it's you know it's out in five minutes then but now you got to go with the waiting to get test pressing see the art all that stuff so it's a give and take but I'm you know it's coming and it, it looks like from the uh the test pressing which I have sitting over here sounded great and uh you know it, they as long as they get the artwork correct and the right side is pressed <laughs> you know there are, there's always those bizarre chances you know and we had to press this one out of town because uh there was a big pressing plant you know about 30 minutes from here that rainbow that just went out of business they uh ended up after 70 something years uh shutting down which was odd because it seems that vinyl is is certainly on an upswing mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes property be value becomes more than you know. You get thrown money. You just go, okay, now's the time to get out of it. But you know, there's there's more pressing places popping up. Good deal. Yeah, that's awesome. I I will anxiously await my copy in the near future. <laughs> so, I don't. This isn't my question. One of these guys asked it, but uh, has the pandemic been good or bad for your creativity? Now that we're kind of talking about having that resurgence of energy uh i think it's been it's been good you know i think in anything that's something that's not uh, wonderful on the surface you kind of have to look for silver linings you know i mean tish and i's daughters both go one goes into school in chicago and the other one goes upstate new york they're home so in my head it's like you know i sure love having my daughters here and talking face to face as opposed to FaceTime. Uh, so mm -hmm. that that's that's nice. Uh, you know, I was able to do a lot of the the last stuff of the record. Like, you know, I mean, we never shut Schechter down. Uh, we we ran with some skeleton crews and the social distancing and everything. But I, I did more work at home, so I was able to do a lot of the the, the menial stuff for the website and all that for for the release. But it I, I do. I, I did play guitar a lot more. I kind of got, you know, I didn't buy any new gear, but the stuff that I had recently got, you know, I mean, one benefit of the Schechter thing is, you know, I have friends that work at Roland and Eventide and stuff like that. And it's always like, hey, let me send you this and let me send you this and <laughs> love to get a guitar for our showroom. Uh, 
and then I'd find myself getting these boxes that I'd look at a demo and go, man, that's fantastic. I should be able to do something with that and never really, really delving into it. So yeah. it's gave me the time to kind of like pick a couple of things and go, let me, let me try to learn at least enough of what this does so I can get something out of it. I don't have the patience like I used to 10 or 15 years ago with the, <laughs> the menus and you hold this and you stand on one foot. Now it does this. It's like, yeah. I want some instant gratification, but I'm starting to go, okay, it does more and, and trying to figure that out. I have started some songs. Uh, like I said, I, I wanted to do this next batch of songs, uh, a little more collaborative with some singers and, uh, you know, in my head for the next new stuff, I I've gotten the idea of, of having the, the cat song, a stranger being the jumping off point where the next record picks up, which in my head right now, I've gotten written down all female singers. Uh, and uh, I've spoken to and, and started little ideas with enough to do a really good record that way. Uh, I guess I've always, you know, from Susie, uh, Shirley Manson, uh, mm -hmm. sing on the girl from Cocktail Twins, uh, you know, so oh, yeah. I always loved that female voices and uh, I think the idea of doing a record uh, that is possibly the calm uh, side of it but injecting some of the chaos into that is kind of what I'm seeing the next thing going and maybe some of the little pieces that I've started uh, been working with a, a girl friend this band silence in the snow uh, girl Cynthia the singer I saw her, I caught him live and was really captivated by her voice and we started connecting and, and working on an idea and I'd like certainly to do another song with Tish and Evie again but there's some other uh really talented female singers that I've uh, had the pleasure of getting introduced to that something will happen there very That's good yeah. it's and gonna be interesting when we get to our challenge later <laughs> and we got a full <laughs> remix record in the works now <laughs> <laughs> yes and they're starting to come in. I've actually, uh, you're talking about Delicate Balance, uh, Tim Palmer, who uh, mm -hmm. one of my favorite producers ever. It's like, I used to sit there and listen to God's Own Medicine and the Tears for Fears records. And I think he did one of the Robert Plant, like now and Zen maybe, and just how he space and his tones and everything. Uh, and to become, to know him and friends with him and he jumped immediately you know the the pandemic had a lot of people that maybe would be busy are now kind of like looking for something to do uh so i sent it to tim and it's like a week later he's going hey mate i'm gonna send you the mix and it's like holy shit and it's <laughs> came back and it's like he did this great uh remix of delicate balance uh and john fryer again uh you know it's got a credits out the ass uh had time and did it and uh so that's been a very positive point of it that, you know, I probably have a third of the remixes uh, to do this next thing. Because I really enjoyed that whole process of Beauty Re-Envisioned, which was a little bit of, you know, after being so involved and so on every note of it to kind of step back and go, here, let me, you know, you do it. And again, real clear, uh, do whatever you want. You can add, you can subtract. Could rearrange and uh it is a little bit like cracker jacks when that comes back like you know hey i'm sending you a mix and you get ready to press plus press play with no 
not sure where this is going to go, but everything that's come back has been a, a pleasant surprise, and it's going to be different, just like that that way Beauty and Re-Envision was. Yeah, I think everybody on the screen has been saying he wants to tackle a song. <laughs> Say yeah. what now? Huh? Yeah. I... <laughs> Hey, um, so we were talking about, you know, a lot of downtime. So I know you don't necessarily do a playlist because you're listening to records, but so what is on your current playlist? What are you listening to now that is not Beauty and Chaos? I really like the the two or three songs that have come out from the new Psychedelic Furs album. I thought that was uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, so, we were going to review that, and then it got pushed back. I think the release date originally was a couple of months ago, yeah. and then it hit, and then I think it got pushed back because we had yeah. that on the show planned. I think when people, you know, when somebody's on a, a bigger label that they don't have total control over, that I think probably the idea of bringing out music right now with a band that has to tour to support it, probably, right. you know, I could see why somebody would hold it up. Uh, but yeah, Tim did a wonderful job on that. And uh, Richard Fotis, who played with Richard Butler and Love Spit Love, produced it and Tim mixed it. I've always, those two Love Spit Love records to me are fantastic. And uh, that remix I was talking to you about that Tim did, I actually reached out to Richard and found out he was a big Mission fan and had him do a solo to replace mine on the outro. So and yeah. reaching out for some guests on that. So. That that's something I'm listening to a lot. Uh, honestly, I've been listening to uh, Cat's uh, her Holy War stuff uh, and uh, her solo stuff. I really enjoyed that, uh, you know. And then I've been privy to some of Ashton's stuff for his new record that's coming out. So kind of just delving in into kind of some of our little spiderweb stuff of uh, that's in the Beauty and Chaos family. You know, waiting patiently for the new Cure record that Robert's been saying is going to come out <laughs> for the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, we're all waiting for that, too. <laughs> Sorry, we're looking at our list here real quick here. Well, I don't even need the list. But so <laughs> you talked about some working on the new music. So where do you see this next one going? You talked about more storm themes, maybe an eye of the storm, but um, timelines and things. What are you thinking? Uh, the idea is certainly to have the, uh, you know, since we lucked into the accidental World Goth Day release for this one, I just kind of went, let's do the the remix record on Halloween. <laughs> so yeah, that that's Perfect. the goal. Again, that'll I'll probably be told that's not a good day for a release, but we're gonna go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> hey, it worked for Slipknot last year. They released All Out Life on that day, and it went like crazy huge. So do it. Yeah, I, I'm sure I was just going to go just as crazy. <laughs> but I, I, the idea of uh, the remix record, uh, I think I'm going to be a little more involved. I think I'm actually going to tackle one myself, uh, or at least with uh, a friend uh, on doing that. And then Michael and I are doing a stripped down version of Delicate Balance, where it's got some uh, semi-acoustic guitar stuff but still staying like kind of dark but stripping a lot of it out uh but it still is it, it is a break you know that gives me stuff happens without me having to to do it we you know we did all the stems so everything's available and and that's happening uh 
So I think I'm going to jump into doing the uh, starting on the next record, which would be something in, in 2021 for sure. But uh, maybe maybe a song before the end of the year. I, I The idea of, of doing a song and sitting on it going, OK, track one's done and uh, waiting for six months. I, I don't know if I can do that. You know, it seems like it's done. It should come out. But I do want to try this time doing a song and maybe doing it to completion with, uh, like I said, I started a song with Cynthia with, uh, and maybe doing that and finishing it and starting on another song and, and kind of seeing it through that way. It'd be a little bit different than we've worked in the past, but I, I kind of like changing it up each time to see, you know, see what the process, how, how that makes how that affects the uh, the end result. So maybe this is a string of singles that comes out one every two months, three months, and culminating them go it going on an album or something. We'll see. I mean, that's I write shit down somewhere, and here I got my <laughs> wife calls it. She did it as a wish board. I just do it as like uh, you know, as it hits my brain. Uh, but that's kind of what's written on there, you know, get remix album out Halloween, possibly one new song before the end of the year. So love it. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that one song here and there is going to be like the Marvel method for music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess when I'm sitting here going, I don't want to be a digital band, but that might force me into that realm of releasing the songs digitally until there's you know six eight nine of them to make an album or, or to press it as something physically which would be different than we've done a little counter to my soapbox uh preaching about that but you know we'll see i the the i think the the downside of the remix thing is that so much happening without me having to be involved just waiting for it to come in and then going oh we'll we'll put it like this in this order uh, you know, the, the other side of my brain is going, I need to, to write. And I've already kind of reached out to, uh, talk to a lot of these singers for this. And they, they're, they're hitting me like, Hey, when are you going to get me that track? You sent me this little idea. I'm ready to work. So I'm getting push, which is great from, you know, some of the art, other artists that want to be involved in, in doing this. So the idea of just sitting and not doing nothing will happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Michael, you might want to call Tish. Oh, we'll get ready to. We're going to hit you up with a challenge here in a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and yell down the hallway. So I'll be Good. ready. <laughs> hey, Tish. <laughs> I was hoping we could hear him. <laughs> Come in. We have a challenge. What's that? What'd you say, Tony? I was just doing the Will Ferrell. Like, where's my meatloaf, Ma? Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's coming in here, Michael. I just I have to reiterate that we're really hoping at some point we're going to get a live show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I think when I started this, the idea of that never crossed my mind. Like I didn't know how that would happen. But now, as there becomes more and more singers involved, the idea of having more to draw from makes the possibility more. Because the idea of getting you know Tish would play bass, Dirk on drums. Uh, I have a couple of people in mind that would be the second guitar, 
and it's just right. the idea of, of you know the backing tracks and stuff like that that i've never really done before which would you know need to happen to make this you know sound in the realm of what the album is uh but i've always said that ever doing it it would have to be the singer i would never have somebody else sing an ashton song or hey wayne can't come ashton why don't you sing delicate balance i don't think that's fair or i don't think that's how i want to portray it but i i am thinking about it more than i thought i would and i before this thing ends i the idea of doing some shows would actually be uh a, a nice uh not a, a send-off but I'd, I'd like to see it happen while we can do it you know yeah, well, we will travel we'll be there <laughs> that's right i was going to do the the one and only show was going to be in fort wayne we're going to play at sweetwater <laughs> nice <laughs> hey we we had an artist a uh, group of artists on the show not too long ago and they invited us to come while they filmed their video in hamilton ontario so my son and i drove seven hours there and back to go watch this show so we are committed we will be there yeah i would you know i mean if we did it i, I look at the amount of work that it would take to get ready to do it that it would have to go okay let's try to do this you know a couple shows here and it it, it seems to me that at least a good 60 or 70 percent of uh the fan base is europe and it's probably yeah. from the mission and ev yeah. and simon and stuff like that uh but and you know to, to do you know london berlin paris someplace in italy would be fantastic and uh hopefully and you, I, did, I wish Wayne and and ashton would come to the states yeah, yeah I, I i would i would think they would you know uh well, I, I think it'll happen. There was talk of it, like with when the mission did their tour last year, like going, wow, maybe I can get Wayne to get us on a couple of those shows. Uh, and it just as, you know, it, it came up quick and then the pandemic hit and the, the tour got pulled. And so kind of glad that we didn't gear up and then, you know, get deflated that way. Sure. Tony, go ahead. I, I cut you off. Well, I was just saying, don't rule out New Orleans. That would be a great oh. venue. <laughs> I would never roll out New Orleans. Yeah, we yeah. could all go there for sure. I know. <laughs> all right, Foggy. Places I can take you guys, and uh, we can do some serious damage. Yes. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> all right. Foggy, you ready? Ready? I'm ready. I don't have a blank screen to go, so if you want to give them kind of the uh, setup, and then I'll uh, present okay, the Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to present you with choices. There are going to be four choices for you to choose from. They're going to be musical people, and you're going to make your choice. And it's only positive. We're not doing any negatives or whatever. You're just going to choose the best choice for you and Beauty and Chaos out of the group that you're given. Okay. Sound so good? To pick one, too? So for an instance, it would be pick the vocalist out of the four that you'd like to work with. Okay. Something like that. You ready? Yeah, and, and yeah, Tish can play along, too, so she has, she has an input for sure. Here we go. Let me know All if right. you can see my screen. Got it. Okay. So male vocal, we're going to read these out loud because the people at home won't necessarily be able to see the screen. So we are asking him, male vocalist you would like to work with? And his choices are Dave Matthews, Corey Taylor, Eminem, or Mark Lanigan. Hmm. So. I'm going to sound like an idiot, but which, who is Mark Lanigan play or sing with? Screaming Trees. Oh, okay. I'm a, I'm gonna throw a curveball here. I'm gonna actually say Eminem. Yeah, I love it. It would be, it would be something 
that I would it would be different. It'd be like you know throwing something at iced tea and going no telling what we would get back. <laughs> Tish, do you agree? I do. That was my choice. Excellent. Ready for the next round? Yes. Oh, let's do it. Here we go. Female vocalist you would like to work with: Bjork, Tori Amos, Fiona Apple, both Amy and Emily of the Indigo Girls. Wow, that's a great list. Uh, I know which one you're gonna pick. No, you you might not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, okay. it, for me, it's a tough choice between Bjork and Fiona Apple. Right. Uh, me too. I think I would actually go Bjork. Yeah, me too. I thought for sure you'd go with Fiona though. Yeah, it's a, it is a tough. I, I love yeah. all four. So I'm walking like below Amy and Emily. Does it say Shirley Manson that I'm not seeing? <laughs> I honestly thought about putting it up there, and then my wife was such a huge Indigo Girls fan. I thought I'm going to throw her a bone and put it on there. <laughs> awesome, very good. That's awesome. Next round, here we go. Bass player you'd like to work with: Getty Lee, Les Claypool, Flea, Thundercat. Is none of the above an option? <laughs> no, because I'm a Rush fan. <laughs> uh, wow. He said uh, the R word, honey. <laughs> all, all, all those top three are great bass players. Yeah. None of them my style. So I'm going to go ahead and say, because I have no clue who Thundercat is, I'm going to go ahead and pick Thundercat. <laughs> Look I'm going to him up. Yeah, for sure. He's got a great song with uh, Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins. It's... Here's my, I get in arguments with my friends that like Rush. When I was a kid, I, I read a review. What's the record that has the owl on the cover? Is that Fly By Night? Fly By Night, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I read a review in a magazine, like trying to find as a kid going, what to go buy? I got, you know, money to buy an album this week. And, you know, so I went to the store and got that on and I put it, you know, because my friend was telling me, like, finding my way and working, man, great songs. I put it on and I sat and listened. And I remember getting up to go check to see if I had it on 45 instead of 33 because of how high Getty Lee sang. Oh, he does sing high. <laughs> I'm not I'm not mocking the band. It's just I, you're mocking the band. <laughs> I, I, I just like different type of bass players. These these guys are at least those top three are, you know, uh, all over the, they're forefront bass players to, you know, almost lead. <laughs> and that's a little different than my taste. Yeah. Thundercat's pretty funky. I think you'd like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He writes some interesting songs for sure. Cool. That's a good one. Next round. I need Tish's answer. <laughs> oh, Drew. Tish's answer. Yeah. Tish, did you agree with him? Yeah. I, I don't know who Thundercat is either, but um, yeah, they're all great bass players. Lee and Getty Lee, obviously, but. Not my style, for sure. Give me a guy with a pick already. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so now we're up to the drummer you'd like to work with. We have Danny Carey, Charlie Benante, Chris Adler, and Travis Barker. I'm going to go with Travis Barker. That's really yeah. surprising. Yeah. Same with he you, Ted. He reminds me a lot of uh, we uh, Pete Parada, who... Uh, when I first joined Jezebel, he was the drummer, but he's gone on to play with, uh, he's in the offspring now, and he's, mm. he plays drums on uh, Unnatural Disaster. To me, he plays a lot like Travis Barker. Yeah, kind yeah, of I see bashing, that. but with taste. Yeah. Okay, I, so Michael, to win me back, if Neil Peart was on there, would you have chosen him? Pretty amazing drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Oh. Next slide. <laughs> Next. Here we go. Boom. There it is. This is the tough one. Put together your ultimate four-piece band, and Tish cannot be chosen. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to go with uh, Simon Gallup on bass. Uh, That's okay. God, it's a tough one of uh, either Budgie or Boris of when, when Boris was in the cure. I'll go with Budgie on uh on drums uh so what i need a guitar player uh that's a tough one uh, can't choose yourself yeah, i would i'd be way down on my own list uh <laughs> wow that uh i know i'm dragging here there's so many i could throw at uh how about robert smith as a guitar player he's a great guitar player yeah, so is Wayne Hussey. I'm just going to go with someone that's a, a dedicated uh, guitar player. Uh, I guess I'm trying to form a, a weird band that would be good. <laughs> I'm a, actually, I'm going uh, to throw, uh, to make this really strange, I'm going to throw Kevin Shields of My Bloody Valentine. Wow. Nice. Yeah. All right, who's your singer? Richard Butler. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear what that band sounds like. <laughs> You've got some power. Put them together. Dennis Dunaway, though, on bass, right? Yeah. Alice Vancouver is an amazing bass player. Go ahead. Put your right. band together. Yeah. Let's hear this. Okay. <laughs> but you you can choose me. <laughs> it's my it's my ultimate four piece band. Yeah. Is that yes. it? Um, okay, I picked Vicki Peterson for guitar from the Bengals because she's a really great guitar player. Um, and Dennis Dunaway from Allison Cooper. And, um, oh wow. Um, drums. Yeah, I know the guy from Adam Out. What's the guy? The the guy, what's the guy's name? He, oh. I'm, I'm not a name person. He's a name from the Adam Out. From there's two drummers. Yeah, that's what the, the two guys from Adam Out. Harry so Lee, Harry Lee, and Merrick. Harry Tibbs. Yeah, hey, Merrick. Hey, I remember Merrick. all those names. <laughs> there was a song. Got Marco, Merrick, Terry <laughs> Lee. Harry Lee, Gary Tibbs, and yours truly. <laughs> um, and singers, huh? Huh? Prince. I bring Prince back for being a singer. Yeah. Yeah. But we just put together two like really bizarre bands. <laughs> That's fun. I love it. Right, I this do final one. Oh, go ahead. So the final question is a tough one. It's going to be really difficult. So you ready? Yeah. Favorite football team? Get him, oh, okay. JPP. Boom. Guitarist you'd like to work with. Choose one of those four. <laughs> hey, can I take all four of those photos? Oh, my gosh. I know I took the bottom one on the right. Nice. <laughs> we'll go with that guy in green. The guy in green. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> For those at home, they're all pictures of Michael. <laughs> hey, I'm just lucky to be surrounded by good players uh, and good singers and uh, lots of pedals. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think you don't give yourself enough credit for what you do. Well, I appreciate that. I I, I guess I have a style. You know, I, I looked at it, it was pretty stunted. Uh, probably by like the players I listened to growing, you know, as I started, whereas my friends were listening to Alex Lifeson and Jimmy Page and, you know, they could play that. I'm like, ah, Johnny Thunders and, you know, uh, Joe Perry and stuff that was a bit, you know, more style and more low slung guitar than technical. And I think I kind of stunted myself at that, but Hey, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, 
you, you develop something or you work within your confines. So I try to do that. Go ahead, JPP. I can I see you. Just, yeah, I was just looking because it's like yeah, I'm the same boat. You know, I've played music with friends through the years, and you know, the thrash thing was a big piece of it. And so we got real intricate and learned, you know, to play fast and that sort of thing. But I always find myself going back to like Jordy Walker and you know, Killing Joke and that kind of stuff, and really loving the way just notes meshed together and not necessarily going a million miles a minute, but just holding down the the groove and that kind of thing. So. Uh, it, nothing wrong with it. It's just it's great to evolve and and try all sorts of different things. But what hits the heart is key. Yeah, I think on that record, uh, I think Zach probably played more notes on his solo than I put on the entire record. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we were next to when we saw him with Ozzy last summer. We were next to the speakers, like eight feet away, and I couldn't hear for four days. It was brutal. <laughs> I wish I had taken earplugs. He is a. Uh... A monster personality and a monster guitar player, you know. And he's sweet. a great singer too. He really is a good singer. Yeah, he does that that really well. And it was it was I it's still that's one of the great moments, like you know, him like doing doing the song. Like he had played with Ozzy at uh the forum and then like the next day uh came in to record, like, you know, just walked off the stage at the forum, came over, had his guitar not in a case. And he had his cable and two pedals in a plastic <laughs> grocery bag. <laughs> he walked in. It's like, I'm ready to go, Father Mike. Sat <laughs> there and watching him work on the solo, like breaking it down. Because the solos like that we gave him was like 32 bars, but he kept breaking it into like these little sections. I just thought he was going to plug in and just, you know, and leave. But he really worked it out. It was kind of uh, interesting to see like his process. It was It was cool, you know. Couldn't watch his hands because I'm going, I can't do any of that. But, you know, watching, <laughs> seeing him do it was great. Wow. That's okay. awesome. There's a method to his madness, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tony, you got a question for him? Last question? Oh, well, I did have a question. Like, it seems like you're very able to be hands off and kind of patient and let people do their thing. Has that always been the case? Because creative people aren't always necessarily good at giving up control boy do you got them fooled honey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean i it's like i think when you bring someone in yeah. and you're you're going i i like what you do as a singer and your lyrics and lyrics are important to this project i mean yeah. you should let them do what they're supposed to do i mean i it's not that i can't you know make the decision some stuff comes down to it, it being a or b you know, and, and I have to make the, the decision on that. But, you know, like this this thing for about five minutes was going to be my solo record. Like when we first started, it, it's like I should do a solo record in my head. I'm going, I hate guitar player solo records. I, I mean, it's like, what am I going to do? It's not going to be instrumental. It's not going to be, you know, I'll eventually sing on a Beauty and Chaos song. But that wasn't the time. And, uh, you know. It it, it, start, it went, this is not going to be a solo record. It's going to be a, you know, the word, I hate the word project because that just comes as like just a little, little side that. thing. Oh, we got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. no. How, what did I do here, guys? Did I, did I lose you? No. no. Okay. So, I'm going to bounce out and go feed the puppies. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for stopping by. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. Can't wait to hear your 
So yeah, yeah, I ha I have to make the decision. It's it's like it's not hard, you know. It's like I I I still think it's I I see the overall concept, you know. It's like the the photos and what what the album cover, the name, and what the picture sparks and stuff like that. I mean, I I enjoy that because honestly, in in human drama, though it started out as I was a co-founder when, you know, Johnny kind of. I didn't say took over the band, but I was in and out so many times. By the time I got back in, they had their working thing, and I was just a guitarist. And then joining Gene Loves Jezebel, I was promised it was going to be let's let's do new records, which we did. But when you're doing that, and it comes back to going, you know, these people want to just hear the same batch of songs from the '80s. It just yeah. became a nostalgia thing. So it's like none of those like was really the creative part of it and I, I kind of like the idea of being in this this role you know it's not egotistical but it's kind of nice to go okay it's kind of my ultimate decision to kind of pull the pieces together and you know and it's yeah. worked you know? i mean some of the stuff i still like shake my head that we've been managed to have people play together that have never been part of something before on a, a song much less a you know on album much less a song and uh you know, there's a, there's been a, I, I say there's a lot of luck or divine intervention that things just seem to, to fall into place here. And, you know, I'm happy that that happens. Uh, and, you know, everybody's enjoying it. And it seems like we've already got the groundwork for the next two things. So it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited. I, I won't keep up. I won't keep taking all the time, but I saw this uh, art project once it was, like this white room off of an art gallery. And basically the only thing in the white room was colored markers. And you were asked to go in, lean up against the wall and then mark above your head with whatever color you wanted. And huh. the room over the course of like 30 days became this piece of abstract art with all these colors overlapping and different levels that they were at. And it just made this border. And it's kind of like, the reason I'm telling you about that is that's how Beauty and Chaos feels to me after talking with you is like, this artist had a direction and gave some people some control. Um, it was still kind of confined into what his vision was, but uh, just letting people kind of do it and let art kind of rise up above everybody, you know? Yeah, that's a that's a good analogy. You know, uh, like, again, I think if you're going to ask somebody to be part of this uh, and, you know, it's always, hey, it, we're, we're, we're writing this together. So the collaboration, uh, you know, you let them do what, what they would I expect them that they're going to do and you know from the mm -hmm. beginning no one's really phoned anything in you know I mean yeah. uh, I like to go back to like I mean as a kid I mean Cheap Trick was one of my favorite bands I mean Robin yeah you know, and I became to know him through Schechter but not as you know and going to shows and always oh, so great to us I mean the last time uh they even wanted our kids to come up and sing Surrender and they're like no it's like get <laughs> but to have him like really see him work on a song like while he's on the road texting me he's low tech but he's got he's recording on his phone while he's playing something back on his computer and he's singing into his phone the recording going hey what do you think about this and it's like that's kind of cool like they're really just they're work it's not just like oh i owe this guy because you know he's my friend let me just slog through something that they really took it to heart you know and uh that that's been a, a that's very that's a, a beautiful thing about this project that it, it works that way. 
That's awesome. So final thing from me, just curious for anybody who makes music out there. You know, you've done this for a couple of records now. What's something that you've learned? Something that like on the first record, maybe you struggled through, you figured it out. And then on this new one, you changed the way you approach things. And it's made a big difference. I think what I, I tried to change on this one uh, is uh, giving probably the singers a little bit more room uh, and less of the, I think on the first record, they got sent things that had melodies and like these repetitive things that are in there that I think might've guided them a bit. And, uh, you know, I wanted to leave the, the palette even wider this mm -hmm. time. Uh, I think when I sent the song to Ashton, it was kind of just the bass and drums uh, with just a little bit of uh, maybe the, the chorus guitar uh, and to kind of see where they took it. And instead of them just, you know, pulling the inspiration or the, the concept off of what they heard, leaving it more open for them. And then when it comes back, then I was able to grab some things they did and, oh, that's a great melody. And, uh, you know, I think the delicate balance uh, is a perfect example. Like Wayne did that part and uh, where he does the U and we kind of copped it with almost like a theremin sound. I mean, that's really his vocal line that dictated that. And I think in the mix, his vocal is under that, but, uh, that really guided us into that part. And that, that didn't happen a lot on the first record. It was like, here's this almost 95% completed piece of music, fit yourself in that, where this time it was less, kind of gave them more flexibility. And then I listened back to it and we were able to kind of fill in some spaces around. So it was just a little bit different way of working this time. What you're finding out, you, what you're describing there is something, my background is teaching. And so something that we've always kind of struggled with is how much do you guide them? How far do you guide them to where they get to the same answer or you just provide them with enough information that they all create on their own. And that's kind of what you're describing there is how much do you give them to get, you know, the return? Yeah, it, uh, it, it worked that way. Well, this record, you know, I think it, it the singers, uh, and I think Ashton and Wayne both remarked that they really liked that because they felt, like there was less to latch on to. Like it's like Ashton had, here's this bass line that was kind of repetitive. So he had to kind of move and make that part go along. Then I was able to jump on top of what he did instead of already the first record. I think it maybe dictated the highs and lows and where intensity picked up and opened up uh, the ebb and flow of it. Uh, I think we went at it different this time. and. I, th I think anything that we do in Beauty and Chaos, I try to look at it going, okay, we, we did that this record. You know, there was no no keyboards and none of that. So this record, you know, we did keyboards and honestly didn't use them as much as I thought we were going to do. There there were certainly bits of it, uh, you know, but it wasn't overboard. Uh, so now looking at the way we approach the next record, I think I want to do more of that collaboration like almost like the person is in the room with me like we used to write when you're in a band like hey i got this idea and people jump in i'm gonna try to see at least try with these first couple and see if that that kind of works and different and you know same thing with the videos we go into it and try to make 
you know, the the one that we did that's going to come out for Stranger is going to be pretty much night and day from the way uh, a Kind Cruelty is. So mm -hmm. I love the yin and yang. Uh, we do. We're over here this time. I love going completely to the other side. You know, yeah. Next. Awesome. JPP, you got a final one? I was on mute, so you didn't have to hear noise in the background there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really, we've covered all bases. I don't have any other questions except that, you know, basically, I, I appreciate, again, this release and, um, you know, kind of getting into your, your mindset and how this unfolds as somebody who gets to write in what little free time in between the day job and being a dad to a, a, a little one and things like that, that. It's hard to have devoted time for creative energy. So that being said, you're juggling a lot of things, wearing a lot of hats in life too. that creative energy. How, how do you set aside that time? Do you set windows throughout the day? Do you make sure that um, you're in a good time or, you know, mindset, or do you find yourself going, you know what, it's not working today. I'm going to take a break and come back at another time. Well, having, having the home studio is it's, it's a little bit different because I am able to come in when I want to, or when it feels the inspiration is here to do it. Uh, Having the, the main studio at Schechter that we, uh, me and Michael work at, you know, I, I do work with around his schedule and we will go, hey, let's get together Monday and Thursday of this week. So I, I try to make sure I go in there with something ready that I want to work on, whether it's new or if it's a, a song that I know we need to add the guitars to, uh, I kind of have, have it planned. You know, I, I never want to waste anybody's time. You know, and Michael's a saint and patient with me. Uh, you know, he certainly will turn around. Hey, try that again. Do that again. And uh, you know, sometimes to the point of frustration, uh, but the end result is always there. And I mean, like you said, you're you're a dad. I, I wrestle a little bit sometimes with the girls being home, like the guilt of going. You know, they're 20 and 22. They're not always going to be home. They're home. You know, sometimes I'll feel like I'm leaving. You know, and I'm in the studio and they'll text me, hey, dad, we're out by the pool or we're doing and it's like I, I, it, it's a little bit like I'm missing something, but they're extremely supportive. So, you know, I try I, I think I, I just try to make make the most of it when I'm there. There's there's a couple of times we've just gone in the studio and it's like I want to get something and it's it's not happening. And if we were not able at that point to go, hey, let's just jump. Let's do. You know, and Michael, why don't you play the bass on this? I'm sucking at it. And, you know, every, very few times I pulled the ripcord and just said, let's just stop. You know, uh, mm -hmm. we, we seem to, to have a, a really good working relationship that we, you know, we get in there and we get something done. And, uh, oh, I had a, your, your question. I remember when I listened to the, uh, you guys review, I think it was the, uh, the sound on the outside where yes. we, we, we muted the, uh, uh, some of the instruments and there's this kind of a grindy uh kind of like moan sound uh, mm -hmm. that's a, a bit of the little rowan keyboard we have there which i forget the model name it's something new but it's small uh with the pitch wheel and also a uh a digitech pedal that i have it's it's not it's not the whammy pedal but it's like it's got a, a momentary switch on it that you can have it drop a, you know a third a fifth Mm -hmm. and you, you step on it and it, it kind of glides down to that and i gotcha. think the guitar uh dropping like a fifth on that yep. 
Michael kind of melded the two together. I, I love popping like the old way of people used to remix stuff where it drop everything out and it's the drums and the vocal. Or I love pulling like the bass out or pulling the kick drum out and it's just a snare. But that was a, that part worked real well. I think that was Michael's call. He said, well, hey, let's, you know, set this up better. And then I went back and with that with pedal happened to be on the board, I kept screwing with it on something and going, that's a cool sound. Where can I fit that? And I crammed it in there. <laughs> nice yeah that was a hair raising moment and when i i had my studio monitors up pretty loud and and kind of winding down from a crazy day and that hit and i was just like oh <laughs> you know the audio file on me in me definitely uh, it resonated 100 percent. oh and i think your other question was the background the, the voices and stuff in the the outro track yeah uh -huh. some of it's random some of it is uh just some i, I bought a couple weird dialogue cassettes that I, I just got off of eBay and I listened through them. And uh, like when the topic seemed like it worked, I, I kind of, you know, it's that lo-fi graininess of uh, that. And I kind of pitched it on the pitch wheel of the task cam. Uh, and there's the, the girl's voice that sounds kind of like uh, sex is I, honestly a jump back to uh, a part that I remember from Purple Rain where Prince <laughs> is playing the song to the girl. And it's, it sounds like the girl's... Uh, in the thralls of sex but it's actually her uh crying but played backwards so i went on youtube and typed in girl crying and uh put it in the pro tools and that a lot of that stuff i got to do here and just kind of manipulate like reverse the entire waveform and uh so it's crying where it doesn't sound like crying oh wow <laughs> that's awesome yeah. So see, right. I listened to it. I I, I had yeah. mental notes of those. <laughs> Very good. Thank Love you. it. Yeah. Um, well, this is normally the part of the show where we tell everybody where we can find you on social media. So this is your chance. Where can we find you and all beauty and chaos goodness on social media and the internet? Everything. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll jump off from our our, our website, our uh, which is beautyandchaosmusic.com. And there's Twitter, there's an Instagram and stuff. And, you know, usually I, I think you guys have probably seen it. I, I try to do like a, a, a blog at the end of the week, which is kind of my therapeutic Saturday morning when I get up before everybody else here and have coffee and, and just kind of reflect on what happened that week. And as things are happening, it's kind of nice to write about. It gets a little bit like, hey, again, we're waiting for the CD to come in. but. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's beautyandchaosmusic.com, and you know we're pretty active uh, on Facebook, and which is just beauty and chaos. And you know I try, I probably post too much, but you know, I, it, it's fun. You know, being that it's not a a band, it can't be like, hey, come see us live. We got a show, you know, Saturday at the Troubadour. It's it's more of that, and like I said, a lot of it's therapeutic just to try, but. You know, they come to it. There's no politics. There's no, you know, there's not. Uh, I try to keep all that stuff out of it and just, uh, you know, I think people are inundated with that. And if you want that, you can certainly find it, you know, either side of the coin, you know, since we have to have two sides to the coin of every coin now, you could certainly find enough of it. I, I, I like, you know, to look at at least what we do as a bit of escapism from that. Not that not aware of what's going on. It's just like, okay, en enough. If you, if you, this is just, you know, away from it. 
Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 No, you always enjoy your content for sure. It's always insightful and, and cool images, the little animations, things like that. It's, it's, it's a nice uh, breakup from the, the normal uh, can I have visual. You tell, can I have you tell my daughters that? They're like, Dad, could you cut it with the smoke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because we're older, we appreciate it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Tony, where can we find you? I'm still hanging out on the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. All right. JPP? I also hang out there occasionally. Uh, and then you can find me on Instagram at Just Plain Paul. That's all one word. And also on Twitter as Just Plain Paul. I've kind of picked back up there and, and been going through the feed. So feel free to stop by and say hi. And I am Foggy's Pal at Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me at BreakTheForth.com, writing about music. Big thank you tonight to Michael Cervello for dropping by. Michael is all that is right with music. I think that became quite clear tonight. He is in it for the music, and that's what we love about him. I Next week, that. oh, go ahead, Michael. And, and you guys, I mean, just listening to your your the way you guys listen to and describe music is refreshing, you know, and not just because you like what we do. I mean, that's a bonus, but just, I mean, I've listened to other other albums that are not our own and you guys i mean it's, it's great to see knowledge of music and kind of get into the the parts that are i think lost on many nowadays you know so i i, I certainly appreciate it well thank well, you thank you much, yeah yeah and next week we are going to invite odie and mariana from project renegade they are a greek band and they just put out their first album recently. It's really good. And so we're excited to have them on the show. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, and at rock985.com. After you listen, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again to Michael, and we will see you all next week. Bye, Bye now. now.